Oh my word, we're back in the room where it happens. I know. I know, face to face. Yes. None of that. Can you hear me? Oh. Have you got your microphone? Have you got your volume turned down? Where are your earphones? Are you connected? Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a bit of a time lag. Oh, yeah. you're looking very fuzzy. Oh, yeah. hello. <laughs> oh, dear. I've forgotten how difficult it was. It's been so many weeks since we've had to do anything I remotely. Know. It's been... But, yeah, it seemed to be even worse this time around. But how are you feeling? Oh, yes, uh, 95% there. Still a bit tired, and I would quite like to have a, a nap every afternoon, but then I think we all would. I think that's just our age. Yes. <laughs> so, no, I am feeling much, much better. And it's a good job because you were able to come out of quarantine, not quarantine, <laughs> rabies hidden away for six months you were able to come out of isolation for a very very special occasion yes our um 25th wedding anniversary that's 25 years i know so yes no we didn't actually do anything because uh my husband had been back in the office because he'd obviously been off isolating um so he had a a day from hell plus the uh everybody was home from london university you know school whatever so actually it was just nice to be together yes so no it was lovely and did you get i was some anything lovely i was given the most beautiful necklace Fabulous. absolutely beautiful necklace i was thoroughly spoiled um didn't expect it because we both said to each other um i'm sorry i haven't been anywhere i haven't seen anything and you know when you're not feeling well you just can't focus yeah and he's like oh no no don't worry don't worry and of course he surprised me so um yes no i was very thrilled touched so, well yes. he's such a romantic as you know <laughs> he has his moments <laughs> mr t 25 yes. years on well, you're getting there. I mean, well, getting there. I mean, you and Stephen have been together for years. Yes, yes, years-ish. Um, well, of course, there's his version of years and then there's mine. As you know, those are very different. Yes, I mean, well, you're, from when you had your first date and you probably knew he's the one. Yes, yeah, so when, when we sort of officially, uh, what do they call it now? Exclusively dating. Yeah, stepping out. Yeah. <laughs> Walking out. <laughs> the young kids call it. That's 17 years. Wow. Yes. And then what's his official take on it? 17 as well? No, that one, 17. But of course, I was, that you know, I was a child bride, let's be honest. Well, so. I, yeah, <laughs> you must be. I haven't been only 37. Exactly. <laughs> what else has been going on in life? Well, I just thought, I think I overheard or I read one of the children's texts. And I was like, what on earth is that? Have you been rifling through their phones? No, I haven't been rifling through their phones. But it's just how people use abbreviated speech oh. now. Um, and there are so many, um, and it always makes me always makes me laugh. The LOL, which a certain generation thinks it's lots of love, and as we all know, because we're all so young and down with the kids, it's laugh out loud. Yes. So for many months, my husband was getting from one of the young assistants text messages with LOL, and he said, "Oh, it's <laughs> so sweet that she signs off lots of love," and we were off. Oh, Goodness sake, it's laugh out loud. <laughs> Bless him. I know. But then you do know when you get an email from my mother-in-law that when she says LOL, she doesn't mean laugh out loud. She does mean lots of laughs. Yes. So, um, and then they're just, there are so many, aren't there? I mean, OMG. Oh, my God. Uh, BRB. Be right back. BTW. Um, oh, by the way. IDK. I don't know. IMO. In my opinion. WFH, which is a new one. Oh, well, working from home. WTF. What the F? 
Um, and then there was a ASAP, which is a very old one, isn't it? As soon as possible. Yes. And um, FHB, which was one that we used to have as kids. Yes, we use that as well. Family hold back, <laughs> yes. which you used to used to have to use um, at, if you were a dinner party or an event yes. or something. And yes. You were a bit concerned that maybe there wasn't going to be quite enough food or the portions were maybe... Or they bought their three children rather than just yes. the one that they said and so you suddenly realised... FHB, let the guests go first. Yes. And if you're going to... If you just make sure that you reduce your portion yes. size a little. Yes. yes. Yes, we used to use... We still use that one, actually. But there's some there's some ones that we, Stephen and I, use quite a lot. Um, RTFM. Read the fucking manual. Yes. Yes. And I had... It was it was quite funny. I was uh, at a dinner party the other day and there was... We were we were it was funny enough. I was talking to a doctor about the same conversation about abbreviations and we were talking about abbreviations at work. And but the doctor was saying, you know, it, it's the same and they had some, some ones which weren't necessarily industry ones but would be abbreviations that were used in a particular hospital or an award or something like that. And there was a couple that she mentioned that I just thought were very funny. So FLK, which was funny looking kid which i knew from doctors in the states right oh okay yeah, that's maybe so, how that came yeah, over yeah um and then pfo pissed and fell over oh, yes. <laughs> now that would be on your records wouldn't it perhaps yes, it probably would that is very funny maybe you shouldn't say this in risk of offending but the, the, there was a funny one nfn oh is that normal, normal for, for norfolk, norfolk. <laughs> um i do occasionally have to ask a child for when somebody has said that i have to double check yeah and sometimes when we you know if if we're talking to you know if we're texting one of your kids or something like that or some of some of our other friends and you know we have to say to each other what do you think that means because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to let no no because <laughs> i was very young and down with the kids so, book of the week this week, and it's your choice. It is, is my choice, and it's an old one again. Of course. I know. Well, I just don't have time to buy new cookbooks because I'm out <laughs> picking flowers and doing things. Um, and this one is Adelia Smith's Summer Collection. Do, do you only actually buy cookbooks that accompany a TV series? Well, it does seem that bit that way, doesn't uh, it? Um, because this one was actually first broadcast in 1993. Oh my God, was it really? Not so much, because I think. Well, actually saying that, but do you not buy the cookbook that accompanies the Nigella Lawson? Yes, I, I was teasing you. I know, because they I do, but I you. do use them. And I think when you've actually seen the recipe cooked before your eyes, uh, you know, they say you eat with your eyes, don't they? Not only with your mouth. And I think it does help. And uh, there are a lot of recipes in here that I do use. And I said to you earlier on that I think it was the first time I came across um, grilled halloumi. Right. Because um, Delia does tend to have the reputation for being a bit staid, doesn't she? A bit of a classical cook. But she was using halloumi in 1993. Probably couldn't buy it in Dorset. <laughs> I, I, I think Delia is an interesting one. I, I, I do like Delia Smith. I haven't got the summer cookbook, but I do have um, her How to Cook one, two, and three, and Stephen had the complete cookery book. I do think her recipes are fantastic, and I do think that they're quite foolproof in many yeah. respects. And I think as a as a place to start, there's no one better. I mean, there, no. you know, if no. you that those how to cook one, two, and three, just fabulous places to really learn the the basics. And she's, and I mean, she's amazing. She knows what she's talking about, and she was a phenomenon. Phenom I can't say it, phenomenon. Phenomenon. A phenomenon. Um, and this summer one, it sold over a hundred 
uh, sorry, so sold over a million copies in hardback, you know, and she... Well, do you remember when she, there, there were certain recipes that as soon as she mentioned something, it would just sell out and you couldn't get it for love nor money in the supermarket? Well, the um, the press called it the Delia effect and the supermarket, the, the, they were desperate to get hold of what was coming up in the recipes or in the, the viewing order because they wanted to order. I mean, one Christmas you couldn't get cranberries, could you, for love or money? No. Or she, she one of the the Christmas ones she did, um, she used this pastry, I think it was called Ferdabit Brick, which I'd never heard of. Well, I mean, the supermarkets made sure they had it, but of course it was just yeah. selling out. It was, it was a bit like like Philo, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, but she also, I, I remember in when she was doing How to Cook, there was a particular omelette pan. Yes, she which used, sold out. Which, I mean, it was a small yeah. factory that was making, I mean, it just, it set them on on the on their course and it I mean amazing absolutely amazing so for somebody for her to have cooked to have that much influence over a nation um and then this particular summer when this television series aired there was a dish called chicken basque which was a one pot chicken with rice peppers oranges chorizo brown basmati rice bring it out of the oven with a green salad there's your supper and it was quite a wow dish because it was it just looked very pretty, it was yeah. very colourful. And wherever you went for that summer and for a few summers after, <laughs> that's that all was you were a, getting. That was all you were getting. <laughs> but it was also one of the ones that then got better with time. You know, the leftovers, if there was ever anything left three or four days after, were delicious. And I think she then almost from that particular meal, though it brought on the craze of oven to table. Right. Okay. Yeah. So every, you know, I mean, I, with an agar as well, they lend itself to having one pot. They do. Chuck it all in, and then you know you can bring it straight from oven to table. Because Diana Henry has done a recent oven to table, mm-hmm. and then there's lots of other one pot. I do wonder whether anyone will have that kind of influence again yes. on on a nation. Because I think if you you know when Delia was was you know one of the biggest cooks in the in in the country, and probably and as you say, you know the best known. I always find she did have this slight school marmish quality about her, which started to become look a bit stayed on television yes. with some of the other chefs that started to come yes. through. But in the days when she was, I mean, she absolutely dominated, and you know, and obviously Mary Berry was really known for sort of well, you had... baking, and then, and obviously before that, you'd had Fanny Crudder, yeah, but then you had Jamie Oliver coming along, and then who was yeah. being bish bash bosh yeah chuck it in who was very very different and who you know also i didn't really like i, I kind of wanted somewhere in the middle and then nigella came along and i do love nigella but well and rick stein we yes. like rick yeah um but i said that's the thing there's so many now yeah. that would would any single one of those have that effect but she was prime wasn't she absolutely prime yes everyone then rushed out and bought the cookbook and is I'm assuming, I mean, it's also still available. I mean, I think all her books are Yes, are I think still, it probably is, or you could buy it on yeah, you know, eBay yeah. or whatever. And actually, the Christmas one as well, the winter one, is lovely. Now, um, the, the, yeah, her Christmas one I do use. That's not, actually got some really good... Yeah, she's got the Delia Smith Summer Collection and then the Delia Smith Winter Collection, and then she's got a Christmas one. Right, okay, um, yes. Which I have the Christmas as well, but the winter one is, is also... It's quite good because a lot of winter cookbooks are almost too steered around Christmas. Right. And sometimes you just want, you know, a good old stew. Yeah. There's a, well, actually going onto the winter one, there's a lovely one with a melted, I think it's camembert and cider vinegar Ooh. salad. Oh. And you drizzle the melted cheese over the salad leaves. Oh my. With the croutons and that is delicious. 
Oh, I love the sound of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, very. I love yeah. baked Cause camembert. That, well, then that's that whole craze for having yeah, baked yeah, camembert yeah, yeah. as a starter. But that's taking it out and spooning it over the salad. Nice. Mm. Lovely. I'll try that. Well, it's all about you this week and your seasonal ingredients. Well, it's only because I come up with the goods, Go isn't on, it? Then. All right, then, yeah. <laughs> I've done yeah. my homework. Yes. <laughs> uh, runner beans. Do you like a runner bean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I know I do. And I have to say, every time, because you've often given me runner beans, love them, think, oh, yeah, I should do more. I should grow some. Mm. And I haven't grown any, and I, would, I probably will next year. But I rarely buy them, no. if I'm honest. I think bought, they're actually, I don't think I've ever bought them okay. because people always give them to you. And they are, the first runner beans of the season are delicious. You just, you know, they don't, they need very little cooking and it's a taste of summer. Right. What I don't like is when you've ended up having a glut and then people freeze them and then they end up being frozen in this big, soggy sort of mass. And then you end up... Yeah, it's okay having it with a roast, but I mean, I've probably got bags of runner beans that date back five years in the bottom of my freezer. But isn't that, though, about how best to freeze them? Yes, and that is not the way to freeze them. And we were talking about this, weren't we, to say that the best way to freeze them is is to put them on a tray so they don't end up... so you freeze them open. Freeze them separately on a tray. Yes. And then once they're frozen, you can then put them in a bag and then they become almost like peas that they're individual and you can just take a handful of however many you need rather than a huge great thing but the benefits of freezing vegetables are yeah so because basically what blanching means is you're scalding them in boiling water or or steam and it actually stops the enzyme action so it retains the flavor the color and the texture if you just froze them raw they would start breaking down it also cleans the surface so it actually helps get rid of any dirt or bacteria or organisms and everything and it helps retain loss of vitamins so it kind of locks in the flavor and the um and the goodness of of the vegetable slice or cut them before you freeze them yes um don't freeze them whole and try and do it afterwards runner beans are just coming into harvest now very easy to grow yeah they are tender so if you want to direct sow them which means obviously planting them straight into your vegetable bed or flower bed because they actually look quite attractive climbing up wigwams um do it after frosts have passed so it's usually mid to end of May where we are in Dorset, but you can ch- you can check your frost dates on the internet or start them off earlier inside right, and then okay. they'll be bigger when they go out. But I mean, apart from chutney, people, you know, make runner bean chutney when there's a glut, um, steamed tempura. Well, you know. Anything battered and, and, and deep fried for me <laughs> is delicious. Um, and also, I quite like them cold in a vinaigrette. Have you ha- ever had them like that? I think so, sort of a side, is a yeah, salad. Yeah, which yeah, they're yeah. quite nice just as a, as a change. Then, do you have the uh, runner bean gadget? N- no, the, the one that... It, that makes them like into noodles. No, I don't. And you push them through and it comes out in like four strips and there's a little blade that tops and tails them. Might need to invest in one of those. Yeah, so with runner beans, can you just snap the ends off or do you really need to sort of... You, you need to string them. You need uh, when to string they're, them when so they're take... babies, they're fine. Yeah. But as they get older, and this gadget takes the strings off down the side and then cuts them into four long ways down okay. the middle. Okay, okay. So it is, but that's not so good to freeze. 
Have you ever been agricultural shows when one could go and they were um, held? Have you ever been around the produce tent and you and there are all the vegetables on show and people enter the longest runner bean or the straightest runner bean or <laughs> four identical looking runner beans and they're all judged on length and <laughs> girth and <laughs> girth. <laughs> And whether they're straight or if they've got a little bit of a, a kink. A kink. <laughs> um, amazing what people do with runner beans. Tip of the week. Bit of a quick one. I was going to say boring, but it's not boring because you're telling us so it's going to be fascinating. Of course it is. And the tip of the week this week is... Do not put, put your, your knives in the dishwasher. That's it. That's it. There you go. My no. favourite knife <laughs> is a carbon steel knife, which you probably have seen because it looks like it should be thrown in the bin. The handle's the broken. The one with the broken handle. Yes, and, yes, yes. But the carbon steel, you can actually sharpen. And over time, you get that curve of where it's been sharpened and sharpened. Yeah. That's my favourite knife. Look, the tip is a little bit more than that, but it's, it is a really about kitchen knives. And one of the things that Stephen and I fall out about most is actually the dishwasher. I am not allowed anywhere near the dishwasher because I can't load it properly, apparently. I just put things in the wrong place. And as you know... Dishwasher police. Yeah, he cannot sit facing the dishwasher at your house mm -hmm. because it just... Watching the, watching the children like stack it. Stephen believes that anything that can't go in the dishwasher isn't worth isn't worth having. So, you know, I know he'll check everything to see the dishwasher so mm. it, it can go in. But I get really, really cross. It's the one time I kind of do put my foot down is anything with a blade. So, uh, you know, from the Magi Mix or something like that, the blade or anything like that should not be put in the dishwasher. It blunts them, which, and he just says, well, how or why? And, and doesn't really care. So he's got one knife, which is a global knife, which he uses to um, when he's making his cocktails and do his citrus fruit. And I'm like, look, that's your knife. You, you want to put that in the dishwasher, fine. But if I catch you putting any of my kitchen knives in the dishwasher, they'll be held to pay. And in, is his knife blunt? Yeah, of course it is. There you go. Um, but it's his knife. But the thing with kitchen knives is... Now, there's such a range of different knives. What our, our tip is really of is, is how to look after them, but also you don't need a lot of knives. There's probably, if you're, if you're looking at starting out, you're like, well, what knives do I need? There's really three that are particularly useful and that you will probably use more than anything. And, and of those, one you'll not use for 90% of what you do, which is a chef's knife. Mm -hmm. So that's the larger knife. Um, you know, it can be about 20 centimetres, so about 8, 10 inches with the wider, mm -hmm. wider blade. Mm -hmm. And if it's got dimples down the side of it or little grooves, uh, the grooves are there to help. If you're slicing vegetables and things like that, it's to help stop things sticking to the, mm -hmm. to the knife. But that knife is probably the one that you would use mm -hmm. most of the time. Then it's useful to have a slightly, it's sometimes called a boning knife or a utility knife, uh, which is about 14 centimetres, which you can then use um, if you're trying to cut around bones or something like that. It's something, sometimes they're flexible. And then a paring knife, which is the short one. Now, I've got sort of quite a good paring knife, but 
I've also just bought this slightly rounded one, cheap as chips, fabulous, really, really useful. It's a Victorinox mm-hmm. um, one, but very that one's fabulous. And if you're going to be f- filleting fish, that kind of thing, then you will need a flexible filleting knife mm-hmm. as, as well. But that's it. I would like to add to that list a serrated knife. Mm. What we would re- refer to as a bread knife, well, really. No, because you see, I would also have a bread knife and a serrated knife for cutting things like tomatoes and stuff. So you can just use a bread knife. Yes, do, yes, but to it's too that. big, and I would rather a small okay, serrated. Yeah. Serrated knives are definitely better for cutting things mm. like tomatoes. Um, and a bread knife, you just don't need to only think of it for bread. I mean, no. so if you may, if you've baked a cake and you want to cut it in two, you're better off doing the. Bread you're much knife. better off. To, so really, a, a bread knife is if you're going to slice, mm-hmm. then that's a really good, mm-hmm. a really good thing to do. And then the other thing with with a knife is keep it sharp. Yes, and it doesn't. I, I, I mean, I've got. For, for my knives, I've got one of those whetstones that you you use, but I need time to do that because. But, but so I also got one of those um, sort of handheld sharpeners, which aren't very expensive. Um, they're not bad for your knives. I think some people think mm. that some of these different sharpeners are bad. They're not, but you're best to keep them sharp. But that's the that's the, your basic equipment that you mm-hmm. need. You can go and buy these big um, blocks of you know twelve different knives. You don't need them. You really only need three or four, and those mm-hmm. are the ones. And mm-hmm. it is best to invest your money in those mm-hmm. than it is buying things that you don't need. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are in the bright and sunny and cheerful corner with Charlotte. Yes, and it's not a flower this week. What? No, no flower. Oh. Mint. A herb. A herb. A mint which makes a great cut flower. Well, foliage to add a bit of interest and a bit of scent. Because the trouble with a lot of the... uh, summer flowers that one grows they don't have any smell right so you know the dahlias which Stephen loves yeah. and the cosmos which are gorgeous but they don't have any smell so you can put mint into your uh posy for just a little bit of uh you know scent um and it's such a versatile herb uh i mean i love it just with hot water as a as a mint tea oh, fresh mint tea is lovely yeah just you know i don't know why you buy the the dried stuff because no, then it's, it's fresh it's so nice agree, agree. um a lot of people it's used a lot of middle eastern cookery but they actually use dried mint because as i don't know if you're familiar but when you add fresh mint it goes black because it it uh, um what's it called when the air gets to it um Oxidizes. oxidizes very quickly whereas of course when you're starting with it dried it doesn't go that awful black it just is that sort of khaki green color yeah. um there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of mint be it tree or shrub or plant okay um i mean you've got you've got a particularly interesting look of mint that your garden gave you haven't you yes yeah, so uh, i've got the um peruvian mint mint which he, I mean, he gave me a tiny little, it's enormous. Yes. It, I've, so I'm going to have to move where I've planted it because it's I've not put it over. in the most. It's very, it's getting very tall. So um, I'm going to cut it back a little bit. And they tend to be perennials, mint. So they come back year after year. Um, I've got a chocolate mint. I've got a grapefruit mint. I've got a pineapple mint. There's Moroccan mint. And there's they, spear mint. So do they, you know, the chocolate mint, does it smell of chocolate? It smells like chocolate mint. It's amazing. And the grapefruit smells like grapefruit. Fruit mint, and then yeah. there's that lovely, um, slightly furry mint called apple mint, which has a very pretty pale blue flower. But it can be a bit of a thug in your oh, garden. Yes. So I've planted 
old butler sink mm-hmm. in the in the where I've got the herb garden and I've put the mint in there. Um, and of course, it's delicious in pims. New potatoes. Yes. Um, what else do you use it for cooking? Um, well, I add it to a lot of salads, mm-hmm. you know, just salad leaves, tear up a couple of um, nectarines or peaches, torn up mozzarella, torn up parma ham, mint. Delicious. Yes. Lemon dressing. Lovely. Yes, so there's other watermelon and feta yeah. with mint. So yeah. it is very versatile. Yeah. Um, and you can even buy, in the supermarket, do those little pots, and you can even buy that and keep it going on your windowsill or stick it in a cake tin yeah. in the garden. yeah. So that is my my, my 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 plant of the week. Fabulous. Oh, and, and it'll root in the vase, actually. If you leave it long enough, it'll root in the vase. And actually, it's, it's a really good idea about what you're saying about using it in a flower arrangement, because one of the things I know Stephen has said to you is, you know, he, flowers are now, you know, with the sweet peas and his flowers and everything, which are all just, you know, blooming at the, at the moment. But we're not very good at arranging them. I mean, I think we're failing as gay men at the moment. <laughs> well, you're not. You've got flowers in every room and flowers on the table. Um, you know, you give us, when you give us or we, we buy some flowers from you, they always just look so fabulous in the vase. We put them in a vase and we're like, Ugh. But added pieces of greenery that bring really help bring it to life. Highlight particular flowers as well and help mm-hmm. showcase mm-hmm. them. Whereas when you've just got all flowers mm-hmm. and no greenery, it just... But mint's a really good one too. Well, because it smells. Out. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of the florists, they put uh, mint in the bride's bouquet as well. And also, you know, you do find yourself touching an arrangement on a table. Um, and I, especially when I do the herb and the edible ones, and it's so nice to actually, be, A, to be able to identify them and B, all the different smells. Yes. Well, it was so good to be back together again. After all this time. In person. IRL. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, thank you for joining us for episode 26. We will be back next week. But don't forget that you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Voyage Around My Arga. You can contact us on on either of those and message us on either of those platforms. Or you can email us at voyagearoundmyarga at gmail.com. We will be back next Friday and look forward to speaking to you then. And until then, bye. BRB. What? Be right back.